Hi everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department Podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their work, the lessons they've learned, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is Kate Tardiff, founder of Sullivan Moore. If you go by what some people say on social media these days, the end is nigh for illustration. But as Kate explains, in the real world, there are plenty of opportunities out there for illustrators. Among the topics, Kate talks about why she's looking to grow her boutique agency in a big way. We discuss how illustrators, whether they like it or not, are content creators. And, dear illustrator, if you've ever been dropped by an agent, or think you might, Kate shares why it really isn't the end of the world. I hope you enjoy our conversation. start hearing any like dog noises let me know um it means my dog is sleeping in a deep dream because she's right next to me so just let me know if it gets picked up at all i want to be sleeping and in a deep dream right now that would be nice (laughs) i mean no offense to you but sleeping sounds great um you're an illustrator rep but you're also a producer in the advertising field correct what does that mean Yeah, so all of the agencies that I've worked at in the past have been very supportive of my Sullivan Moore business as an illustration rep, probably because it keeps me up to date on all of the greatest illustrators that are in the market right now. Right. And I was the one hiring the illustrators. So, you know, I would work with the creative team to Mm -hmm. determine who that illustrator was. And that was a full-time job? Yeah, so I was doing... um, producing full-time for the last nine years. I actually just went freelance since June. Congrats. Thank you. So that was a full-time job. And then Sullivan Moore was kind of my side gig. I would do it as much as possible. All of my illustrators knew that, that I had you know two jobs that I was managing at the same time. Right. In the last few years with COVID and everything going remote, it's been a lot more manageable to do both mm-hmm. because I'm traveling a lot less for shoots you know, less in-person time at the agencies just means being able to manage, you know, illustrators to at the same time on the day-to-day. So it's been amazing for me since going remote to be able to run both Sullivan Moore and full-time. But now that I'm, now that I'm freelance, uh, my energy is a lot more focused on Sullivan Moore right now. Is that why it says on your website, you are actively looking for illustrators? Are you trying to build it up? Yeah, I would love to build it up. I've noticed that there's a sweet spot between having too many illustrators that you rep where, you know, the illustrators get lost or they're competing with, you know, against each other within the same agency. I'm trying to stay boutique where it's small enough that all the illustrators are getting my attention. But at the same time, I want to have enough illustrators that an art producer or a creative director or an art director can go to Sullivan Moore to find an illustrator Uh versus if they came to the website and I only had, you know, five illustrators, there'd be a lot less options for them to choose from. So it's, you know, striking a balance between staying boutique where they're still getting each illustrator still getting your attention, but enough illustrators for there to be options for people when they come to our website. Right. And 
I mean, if we're being real here, also enough illustrators sort of talking about them as if they're commodities, but you, yeah. you want to represent enough folks so that you as a business owner are being a responsible business owner. Correct. You're earning enough money to live your life, to live the life you want to live anyway. Yes. And that's and trick, right? I always tell the yeah, yeah. I always tell the illustrators too, it will be better for them. The more illustrators I rep, of course, you might not get as much individualized attention from us on the day to day. But the more people that are going to our websites looking for illustrators, the more likely their work will be seen. Right. How many is us? It's a small little shop. You know, for the most part, a one woman run business until Autumn came along. She's been absolutely fantastic in the marketing side. Um, she does a ton of the outreach to clients while the projects come in. I'm able to manage them. Right. I'm very comfortable managing a ton of different projects at once. It's having the time to do consistent outreach. That's, you know, where I could really use the help. Well, then speaking of outreach, you know, you and I never worked together during my time at SNS and Penguin. How do you find clients? You know, I mean, I talk to illustrators all day long about finding clients and we have mm -hmm. we talk about the methods and resources and all that sort of thing. How does an agent find clients? I, and I've asked other agents this question in previous episodes and there's a common denominator, but I'm, I'm before I tell you what the denominator is, I'd like to hear your answer. You know, how yeah, do you I'm guys go out and build your lists? Yeah. So I subscribe to a database okay. and that, that stays up to date and is insanely helpful for getting direct contacts at different companies. Does it rhyme with agency schmaccess? It does. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've been part of that for since 2014. So very appreciative of that business. Yeah. Right. right. And, and for anyone who's yeah. like, what did, what did he just say? Agency access. Agency access. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Agency access, it, you know, it's pricey, but it's in my mind so worth it um, right. to get those direct contacts just because their biggest thing is they are constantly updating it. Um, and that's, right. you know, a, that's a difficult part in having clients, right? Because people move from bit, you know, company to company and you might have a really great contact at the at the New Yorker and then they retire or they leave or they go to another place and you're kind of at square one with trying to get in the door at a, at a specific company. Right. So that, yes, using the database is extremely important. How often do you reach out? I kind of separate it. So Autumn has been doing a ton of direct outreach where it's direct emails mm -hmm. to people mm -hmm. about specific artists. Uh, so, you know, we have one artist, Jennifer, we might reach out about her to the, the specific clients that we think would be perfect for her. And Autumn has been focusing on that weekly, sending several emails a day. Right. And then I have been focusing on more bulk emails. So those I try to send out at least once a month, some bulk emails to thousands and thousands of contacts. Mm -hmm. uh, probably less so likely to be opened, but at least it's you know getting sent out to a ton of people at a time. Do you find that email marketing versus like, let's say, you know, that's more active marketing versus passive marketing, like posting on Instagram. 
do you find one more effective than the other? Do you find that like it's a combination where you do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and together it's effective? Do you test out different ways of writing your email? I mean, how how does how do you tweak it to to increase the chances that, you know, these clients will come back to you and say, Hey, hey Kate. Yeah, sure. Let's yeah, do I wish that the, I wish I had the answer to that <laughs> because I'd be a lot more successful. I know. I wish you did too, because then I would be successful. Yeah. All yeah. Right. And so would everyone um, else. Listening. I think it's a combination. You know, social media is so hard to keep up with. Yep. So I hate it, but I'm trying very hard, and I go through my spurts of like, okay, I'm posting every day, and then all of a sudden a month will go by and I haven't posted. So right. I think the social media is extremely important because I think in a lot of ways, that's where art directors are finding the illustrators directly. So I've noticed that through social, I think clients find my artists more on their pages versus through the Sullivan Moore pages. Right. And then work is coming more through email marketing or in the advertising space. A lot of reps will go I mean, it's changed since COVID quite a bit because so many people aren't in the office anymore, but reps would go into an agency, do a portfolio review. And as a producer, that's really how I got to know some of the reps in the business. They would be my go-to for hiring those illustrators. I mean, that sounds like what I would want an agent to do for me if I were their illustrator. I mean, that's yeah, that is my expectation. What is your expectation for what the artist should be doing to market themselves? An artist you represent. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm all about people doing their own portfolio pieces. So even if a project isn't coming in, they should be doing, you know, self-commissioned, self-created work because then I have more work to show people. It doesn't really matter if, if I'm showing clients, Hey, the the person did this for the New Yorker or Hey, they did this for a personal project. As long as they're seeing new work come out, that to me is the most important part. So when I have an illustrator that isn't building their portfolio for a long time, that really is my, my struggle as an agent to keep marketing them because I have nothing new to show for them. Right. Do you act as a mentor of sorts for them as well? You know, do they come to you and say, Kate, I just can't quite figure out why this piece isn't working. What do you think? To a certain extent, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm art directing their specific illustrations. Sometimes people will come and say, hey, I'm trying to figure out like how to continue to build out my portfolio. And I'll say, oh, you know what I've noticed? You know, you have scenes with just one person and, you know, it would be great to have, you know, show book publishing clients that you can do full scenes and not just spot illustrations of one person show, you know, multiple people interacting. I'll help them curate in that way and build their portfolio, but less so like change the color of that shirt um, <laughs> and, and, you know, specific art direction. Yeah. I will. I, if they asked me, I'll give them my opinion, but it's not often my illustrators will ask me my opinion down to that um, detail. Well, I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, you graduated, <laughs> you earned a Bachelor of Fine Arts from the Savannah College of Art and Design in 2014. Correct. Magnum, magnum cum laude, by the way. So congratulations there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, you speak the language. I do. I found it interesting that, yeah, you graduated 
from undergrad in 2014, the same year that Sullivan Moore was founded. Yeah. What's what's the deal there? I mean, I don't know too many people who graduate from college and then go, I'm going to start an agency. You know, it's, it was probably very naive of me. Um, I actually studied fashion marketing and management as my my major and fashion design as my minor. So not even related to illustration. <laughs> um, Somewhat related. Yeah. So in fashion marketing, you know, we learned how to build businesses. That was like the biggest thing mm -hmm. um, at SCAD was a lot of the projects that we would work on were basically come up with your own company, now brand the entire company um, and build a, you know, lookbook for this company. So I was comfortable in the sense of coming up with my own idea for a company. I think the illustration business came about because I had a lot of illustration friends that right. I thought were absolutely amazing illustrators. And I just wanted to do whatever I could to help them land a project. And at the time <laughs> I was very naive to think, Oh wow, I'm coming up with this, you know, idea for a business that doesn't exist, but it totally exists. And there's lots of illustration <laughs> reps out there. But at yes, that point, are. um, when I was graduating college, I was like, wow, this is such a good idea. You know, we had a guest speaker at one of my, you know, college classes that told us like, this is the best time to start a business. You have no family you're worried about, you have no overhead of a house, anything like that. Like the best thing I did was starting a, a business straight out of college. And I thought, well, that's so right. Because I, you know, my overhead is, you know, just myself. I don't yeah. have to worry about who I'm taking care of at the time. So that kind of sparked my wanting to start this business. And then luckily my parents are attorneys and they got, you know, they could help me with the actual creating of an LLC, doing contracts. So that was another out-of-pocket cost that, you know, wasn't on my mind because I had really great parents who were willing to help me in any way uh, when it came to contracts and all of that. Right. You're talking about William and Patricia Moore of More and More Attorneys. Correct. On the North Fork of Long Island. Yes. Is that where you are right now? Yeah, it is actually. I just moved back um, with my husband this year full time. Nice. Uh, we were, you know, back and forth between. I lived a few years in Boston, a few years in Manhattan, back to Boston. With me being remote, um, we were hoping to eventually end up back on the North Fork full time. And my husband was able to get a job out here. Uh, so we were able to move back a lot quicker than we were expected. So, yes. North Fork of Long Island, full time. Oh, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. <laughs> I've been there before, and it is beautiful. Oh, nice. Oh, it's so pretty. It's so nice. Well, anytime you come back out here, let me know. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> we'll go to a vineyard and have some wine or something. Aren't there like a thousand exactly. vineyards up there? Yes, there are. <laughs> yeah. Why Sullivan Moore? Like, why not call it, you know, the North Forking Art Agency or like, you know, don't answer that. Whereas I know the more part. I'm talking to the more part. Where's the Sullivan part yeah. come from? So the Sullivan part was one of my first illustrators that I repped. He created the business with me and then he was an artist and quickly realized that the business side was not for him. So I liked the name, so I stuck with it. Uh, there's been a lot of times where I thought about changing it over the last, you know, how many years is it? Almost 10 years. Right. But the name sounded old and classic. I'm like, <laughs> I haven't thought of a better name. So if anybody has a better name, uh, let me know. <laughs> um, I like North Forking Art Agency. That's what I like. 
Uh, every business out here is North Fork something. So no, 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 not North Fork, North Forking. Oh, Art North agency. Forking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, just kidding. A little humor there, folks. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, yeah, Sullivan Moore sounds like it's a. It's like a. I would have heard it in like Mad Men or something. It's like a 1960s yeah. ad agency. It's like, oh, you're at Sullivan Moore. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> According to your website, you represent both emerging and established illustrators, animators, content creators, and designers from around the world. A few things. First, emerging and established. Why make that distinction? You know, I have a really great copywriter friend that helps me with that language. But I think I just wanted to show that I represent people straight out of college that, you know, new, super young talent. And then I also have illustrators that have been in the business for a very long time. And just wanted to show that we have a range of illustrators. We don't have all super established illustrators that are have all been in the business for a while. And we're not just a very young agency that only reps people straight out of college. The reason I ask is because emerging, this is like splitting hairs here or something. I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe this is a little too microscopic of, a, of an analysis. <laughs> but when I was an art director, and I think most art directors will share this, if not publicly, then definitely privately. We sort of pride ourselves on being the first person to hire yeah, an illustrator. Yeah, for sure. And it's like part of the creativity of being an art director. You know, I, as an art director for a children's book, yeah, sure. I can go to the person who everyone else is going to right now. Um, mm -hmm. It's safe and the book will probably do well because the illustrator is established and whatever, whatever. Or I could go to the person who hasn't done a book yet. Then their career then takes off. And there's a little bit yeah. of like, I'm actually creative in choosing illustrators. Whereas art directors who just go with the tried and true are less mm -hmm. creative. And then, this is sounding like a absolute shade throwing, but it's it's not. It really isn't. I think no, again, I most agree. art directors will agree with me if not publicly, definitely privately. Uh, yeah, I mean that's where the marketing side of my my background comes in, right? I want to market my illustrators as up and coming and, you know, emerging and we do have some incredible illustrators. I I have to say this is the best roster I've had since my start of Sullivan Moore. And I'm just waiting for some of these illustrators to get, you know, known and be busy nonstop because we have such amazing illustrators right now. Right. Sometimes I hesitate on making sports analogies because this is an illustration <laughs> podcast and a lot of artists listening are like sports schmortz. However, I think this applies pretty accurately. I see it as a managing a baseball team you could just get players who've been in the league for a while and you know they do well they're they've sort of hit their ceiling and you know what their ceiling is and okay that's fine it's what we need and let's get them on to the team or find the younger players and not just young it's not about youth or age find the player who maybe hasn't yet reached their ceiling yeah they have the potential to have a higher ceiling than the established player. And so you take a chance. And sometimes the chance doesn't work out, you know? And the player goes back to the minor leagues or you trade them away or whatever. But sometimes it does work out. And oh my God, you you saw the potential and you were right. And as a human, yeah. as a human 
that's a nice feeling. Well, that's how I feel about one of my illustrators, Tony Rodriguez, because, you know, when we first started repping, he's one of my original illustrators that I started repping at Sullivan Moore. And he did not really have any clients. I'm trying to think if he had maybe one or two before I started repping him. And I, he is just such an incredible talent and you know he just very quickly became the go-to editorial illustrator you know he's won a world illustration award now so he is my like special you know if if we're saying sports analogy you know i've picked him up in the minor leagues and he's an (laughs) all-star he's an all-star now so um i'm really really proud of tony uh he's you know a perfect example of finding someone you know, that's starting out and just seeing their career, you know, skyrocket and do, you know, work with fantastic clients over the years. If you find value in this podcast, please consider supporting it as a patron. Your support will help me keep the podcast on its weekly schedule. Patrons receive perks, including a reusable 10% off discount code, access to dozens of patron-only episodes, opportunities to provide questions for guests, a soft enamel pin with our logo, designed by me, and more. Become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash illustration, D-E-P-T. And now, back to our conversation. So you picked up my analogy pretty well. and I have a husband that was a baseball player, so... Okay, and I was going to say, and you live in Long Island, so I'm going to yes. guess you're a Yankee fan. No, I'm not. Um... Thank God. I would say Long Island is more Mets, and then my husband's a diehard Red Sox fan. So I'll allow it. I allow yeah. It. Okay. <laughs> so That's I fine. watch way too many Red Sox games. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your oh, for that you. pain that that uh, you you put yourself in. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I, I if you were a Yankee fan, I would have absolutely pulled the plug on this conversation. <laughs> Just kidding. But are you a Mets fan? I was a Mets fan. When I lived in New York, I was a huge Mets fan. Um, And I'm still, you know, I still have a nice little cozy little corner of my heart for the Mets. Um, But now that I live closer to Baltimore, where I'm from, I've always been an Orioles fan. But now I'm more of an insane Orioles fan than ever. And a Phillies fan, weirdly. Oh, okay. Take the Phils. The second thing I wanted to point out there with your description from your website is content creators. I saw someone yeah. post on Twitter something like, hey, you know, this is my Twitter voice. Like, hey, illustrators, you are not content creators. You are <laughs> artists. But the point they're trying to make in all seriousness is that artists should spend more time making art than creating, quote, content. Yeah, I get that. How do you define content creators? Yeah. So when I use the term content creators, when it comes to my website, I have in mind someone like Casey Leone. She does paper crafts. She does food styling. She does photography herself. She does the stop motion herself. So if a client comes to us and wants to work with Casey, they don't even need a you know creative brief, really. They just need to say, hey, we're this brand. We want to work with you. And she will, from start to finish, you know, come up with the creative, make the whole piece of content produce it, edit it. So she, she's like a one-stop shop. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of who I have in mind when I'm saying content creator, because she will create content for these brands all herself. 
I'm so glad you answered it that way. I was hoping that was your answer (laughs) because yeah, your illustrations are illustrations. We're not saying your illustrations are quote content, although an argument can be made that they are. Yeah, they kind of are content. They kind of are. I mean, (laughs) let's be, let's be adults and let's be honest about this. They're fucking content. Um, However, you know, devil's advocate and let's stay in the center of this argument. Okay. But you're not a content creator just for yourself. You know, because I hear this a lot and I, and it's fair. I get it. Like, oh God, I, I just want to draw and paint. I don't want to have to make reels and videos. And, but mm-hmm. content isn't just about reels on Instagram. It's about like your brand as an illustrator. Like, what is it that you're interested in doing? Photography, illustration, videos, whatever it is, can also apply to the client. Mm-hmm. So you're not just making reels for discoverability. You're uh, displaying this other facet of your game, going back to baseball. <laughs> I can't think of a single project that has worked with Casey where they don't want to show the behind the scenes work of her working on the project. So in my mind, that is content because she's creating her craft. She's making her art, but people love to see how it's made, especially in something so niche like that. In my mind, that's the content creation side of things. Yeah. I mean, your clients include Procter and Gamble, Saatchi and Saatchi, Amazon, Coke, the Braves. Um, your the industries that your illustrators work in are wide ranging, publishing, mm-hmm. editorial, advertising, consumer products, entertainment, sports. I'm seeing that as a, as a I'm pretending to be an illustrator here. I, I'm seeing that going like, oh yeah, I mean I want to do all of those things. You said it yourself, like you have artists who do more than one thing. Mm-hmm. Is it because their art can be applied in more than one direction? Or is it because they have multiple ways of creating art that then can be applied to several of these industries? It's usually not the same person that's working across every single client. Mm -hmm. However, I have found that the illustrators that are the most successful are able to not alter their style, but tweak their illustrations where some can be focused more towards advertising space some can be used towards the editorial space. The The people that worked with the sports teams, they were more fine art mm-hmm. related. That's exactly it. The reason I'm asking that is because this is something that comes up a lot in the podcast. And I talk mm-hmm. about it a lot with illustrators about the whole like, well, if I work in different ways, I'll confuse art directors. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's true. I think Thank you, Kate. it's very important to have a consistent style across right. the board. But if you keep your style consistent, but then focus on different subject matter, that could align your work with advertising versus editorial versus sports. I mean, when I was hiring illustrators, I loved it when I saw that they were working in other ways. And I loved it Mm -hmm. when I saw that they were working with other clients in other industries, not just publishing. They have- definitely varying interests they can attack a problem in different ways they can think about art from different perspectives Mm -hmm. that is all going to bode well when i give them the challenge of providing me 20 to 25 illustrations of a complex text i felt like more at ease with those illustrators. yeah definitely when you see that their style can apply to all of these different industries then you just know okay I'm picking this style because I love this style and I know that they'll produce a similar style, but directed for my field or directed for my project. So you're like 
doubling or more the size of your agency moving forward. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not just picking up anybody. So it'll be a slow growth, I think. Yeah. But yes, right. I am growing. I was talking to an illustrator the other day who is submitting work to agents. They found a post by an agent that I will not name who put out a like an Instagram post. We're looking for illustrators, everybody. Just want to announce that. And here's what we're looking for. And it was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of words of basically, you know, good art. But one of the things they said was, we want you to wow us. And <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to stay very calm and chill. Because if I was a, a little bit more PO'd today, I'd be, I would just drop F-bombs. Like just you put them on. Just put them on blast. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow us? Come on. <sighs> Am I crazy? I mean, does it, doesn't that sound like we are up on this altar? You peons down below need to impress us for you to be allowed into our group. Am I am I being a little am I being dramatic? I'm being dramatic. Aren't I? Maybe a little bit. Thank you. But okay. I mean, I am wowed when the great illustrator. <laughs> no, but you're never telling an illustrator. Wow I want you to general. wow me. Yeah. Wow us. That's an old. I think that's an old term. <laughs> uh -huh. I don't know anybody in the, that's like under fifty that uses the term. We want you to wow me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate. I'm pretty sure this person is over 50. I, in fact, okay, well, <laughs> this person is definitely over 50. Yeah, I haven't used the word wow as like to be wowed, I think, ever as a verb. <laughs> yeah, wow us, screw you. How about that? I'm not going to wow you. It's so gatekeepery and so like I'm better than you. Anyway, I, I need to stop um, ranting about that. Anyway, they want people to wow them. What do you want? when illustrators submit work to you? What are you looking for? I always tell people just a consistent style and enough pieces. So I would say you need at least 20 pieces of work uh, in that consistent you, style for yes. me to understand, okay, this is consistent across the board. I've made mistakes in you know either picking up illustrators in the past that I saw really awesome style, but they had you know, multiple styles. And I realized, oh, they still haven't found their direction or their path yet. I think right. as I've become more experienced, I've realized, you know, I really want consistent style, someone that, you know, isn't exactly like someone I already have. That's very unfortunate when that happens is when someone reaches out to me and they're amazing. And I'm just like, oh, I can't bring myself to represent you only because I really don't want the other illustrator that, that has a very s similar style to feel like a competition within the agency itself. But yeah, that's always what I'm looking for. In all fields, editorial, advertising, children's books, or do you uh, find... No, it doesn't have... Yeah, no. I have certain illustrators that, you know, they might only work in children's books. Okay. And, and that's kind of where I see their work living, and that's, you know, where I represent them the most, or that's what I put my attention into. I don't expect every illustrator to be working in every field. I think that if you're able to work in the advertising space, that's where you'll make the most money. But if you love editorial or you love book publishing, I mean, book publishing, you can do pretty well too. But 
if you absolutely love editorial and all you want to do is work in editorial, I might tell that person, you probably won't make as much money, but if you are fine with focusing your work on just editorial, then that's fine too. But yeah, it's, they don't have to be across the board okay. for everything. Yeah. Penguin Random House announced layoffs yesterday. Yep. At first, it sounded a little scary and it's, you know, it's not the greatest news. But when I checked in with my friends who work there, who work at Penguin, people were offered buyouts and they had to qualify okay. by being at Penguin for 15 years and Random House for 15 years. Well, that's a and, nice way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 15 years and you have to be over 60 and you qualify for a buyout. And so that happened a few weeks ago and then layoffs happened yesterday and it's, you know, it's like, I'm not going to say like, well, it's the old guard and you know, it, whatever, whatever. I mean, it's, it sucks. I'm sorry. It, it, it sucks. Yeah. And many of them are people that I know people I worked with. The point I'm trying to make here is, is publishing on solid footing. I mean, if you're looking at yearly earnings in the publishing industry, we're talking about double digit billions of dollars, double digit mm -hmm. billions, like 22 billion the last I checked. So no, publishing is not dead. It's not going anywhere. And editorial, you know, there's the whole like, well, editorial is dead. It used to be great in the 80s and 90s. And now it's not great anymore. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's then. This is now. Is now. I mean, are, are, are the, is there some grain of truth in the editorial thing? Are we worried about publishing? By we, I mean you. What's happened? Because you're just you just said you're growing your agency. That sounds yeah. like, and you sound like a good business person. So, and as a responsible business owner, you're obviously you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry. So I guess I'm trying to put one and one together here. Like if you are building your agency, that's telling me that you think there is opportunity out there for illustrators. Yeah, I definitely think there is, especially with, you know, layoffs happening. And I, I'm a, I have been a result of layoffs in the past in the advertising industry. There's just consistent layoffs constantly. So right. I've been on the safe side. I've been on the laid off side. So I honestly don't let all of the layoffs scare me too much. I've noticed with illustration, actually, for instance, in 2020, there was a ton of layoffs happening with production, with COVID. I actually got laid off in 2020 and illustration picked up and it was the busiest my agency has ever been because shoot productions weren't happening. Photos shoots weren't happening as much. So people were focusing on illustration and that's kind of how, you know, the stories had to be told was using illustration that was more in the advertising space. Mm -hmm. So I definitely feel like brand work, advertising work, that is definitely the safe space to be in for an illustrator. But I don't think editorial is dead. And I don't think book publishing is dead. Right. Dare I ask you about AI? Are you starting to see um, it sure. in conversations <laughs> with, with clients? Are they mentioning it? Are you are you worried about it? As an agent? You know, the only time I have ever run into a conversation, which I thought was super interesting because it was very early in the AI stages. It wasn't in the last year. It was a few years ago, I believe. But I had a client ask about the potential of using one of our illustrators to train a software to create AI illustrations so that say they had a new they wanted a portrait of an employee and the employees were constantly changing they wouldn't have to keep hiring the illustrator to keep making these illustrations 
they would have our illustrators trained AI that basically produces my illustrator's style consistently for any new portraits that they had to be made. The project didn't end up happening, but I was ready to charge an arm and a leg for that one if right. it did end up happening because that's basically just fully taking, some, you know, an artist's intellectual property. <laughs> yeah. One yeah. million dollars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. At first, when it first started coming out, we first started talking about it on the podcast. I remember talking to Stephen Heller about it maybe before that too, um, where I was worried about it in, a, in that way of like it's going to take jobs away from illustrators or steal art yeah. from illustrators but i was holding on to some semblance of like i trust humanity it will do the right thing yeah and it quickly went so. to yeah oh i don't know if it's <laughs> gonna happen that way but uh and uh but you know i've i just didn't there was always that okay i have the door cracked open for the possibility that it could be something good in the art world mm-hmm but I could never get past the fact that it stole art from artists. And now, I mean, that's that's still the case, and it's more prevalent nowadays than ever. I mean, there's more of a discussion about it now. There's a congressional hearing about it now. Yeah. The people who were against AI since from the beginning were right. Mm-hmm. In the illustration world specifically. The people who were like, oh, it's AI is really neat. It's super cool tool, guys. Stop clinging to your horse and buggies. They were fucking wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I mean, in this case, I just hope that I've seen it on the advertising side where creatives will be like, let's do AI for this project. And, you know, we're constantly shooting it down because legally, how do you protect yourself when it comes to AI? Exactly. You know, you don't own the rights to this illustration. You don't know yep. where it was pulled from. So I just hope that brands, you know, editorial, all of these companies have the same fear that as a producer I have is like, you don't know where this came from. We still need to hire the person that can grant us rights to this work versus make something in AI. And that's been pulled from several different sources. Yep. And there's no so. way, those are the two things that are just, there's no way around it. One is it steals art from artists. And the other is you can't protect it. You can't protect the copyright yeah. and major industries, smart ones. Anyway, I've seen some, who was it? The other couple weeks ago some publishing house in the uk the name escapes me at the moment they used a cover i even talked about it on podcasts i can't remember their wow. name they use a, they use ai to do a cover and they got hammered for it yeah but they just opened themselves up for a lawsuit right there yeah companies out there if you want to use ai for stuff get ready to get sued <laughs> you know if you don't want to get sued hire illustrators it's easy it's nice people are usually nice in the illustration industry and you'll have a unique piece that will not exist anywhere else. Yeah. And everyone's happy. Okay, that's my little I can step down from <laughs> I can AI step down from yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up in that I'm up in that like top of that level where the wow us agent is, and I'm just I need to step back down. Um I was talking to an illustrator the other day who is she feels like she's on the precipice of being let go by her agent. Her agent sent her an email and it was a little scary, but it wasn't nightmarishly scary. It was like, it's been a year. We haven't really gotten any work for you. And if there's no work, then we need to reassess. It was a, it was an email that was like, it sounded like a little bit of like a, you're on probation. 
I'm not letting you go right now. I'm probably going to let you go in three months. And so the so the illustrator, and rightfully so, is a little worried that if, if, still not set in stone, but if the agent lets her go, which by the way, as you know, happens all the time and mm-hmm. is totally fine. Yeah. But if the agent lets her go, her worry is that when she reaches out to other agents, she, in her word, would be tainted. Oh, because she was wrapped by someone else? Correct. And oh, that no. and that she was let go, so the other agent's gonna be like, Well, why did why did this agent who is really reputable why would that agent let you go? What's wrong with you? That's that's how she's thinking about it right now. I I mean, I don't think that we follow along enough to know that someone was let go from another agency. Like if someone reached out to me that was really great. I don't think I would do the back. Re- That's just me personally. Maybe I should, but I wouldn't do back research to see who they were repped by before and ask them about why, you know, it didn't work out. If I love their work, then I'm going to love their work and represent them and do my best to market them. But I don't, I think it's very common for illustrators to swap agents around and see because on, on his or her side too, you want the agent to be bringing you work too. So if, it has been a year and you haven't gotten any work. Maybe it is a good time for you to try to find another agent. My yeah. artists don't get any, my artists that haven't gotten work in a year. Don't get any ideas. That's not talking about. You. <laughs> I don't want my artists to leave if they haven't gotten work in a year. But um, yeah, no, I don't think that's anything to worry about at all. And Agreed. it's not like you're, an agency relationship is not like you're getting laid off from a job. It's just, you know, representation, you know, you can find another rep. Yep. Agreed. I'm just noticing the time. It's already time. How quick was that? That was fast. I know. It's crazy. It was a great conversation. Oh, well, I happen to think so too. And, um, and thanks for your answers, by the way. I think it's just been, you've just been honest and forthright and I, Definitely appreciate that. Yeah, make them sound smart. You can even keep that on the recording. Just make my answers sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> they do sound smart. You are responsible for that. Yeah. Um, so oh, thank you. We obviously have illustrators listening in on this. And um, what would you like to say to them directly? I would say if you have a tight portfolio with over 20 pieces in a very specific style and you feel like you want to be represented send your portfolio is my way and we will be in touch <laughs> to learn more about kate visit sullivanmore.com this podcast is produced by the illustration department a global leader in online education for illustrators visit illustrationdept.com For class offerings like mentorships and portfolio reviews, testimonials, the alumni showcase, the podcast show notes, our forum, our merchandise, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.